theme of our meditation this day is time to hurry up and wait. And it's based on the second portion of our gospel lesson previously read this morning. You may be seated. Dear Christian friends, on December 27, 1964, in Cleveland, Ohio, my hometown, the Cleveland Browns beat the Baltimore Colts 27 to nothing. And they won the NFL championship that year. To say that I was ecstatic would have been an understatement. For me, it was like an extra Christmas gift that came. And it wasn't long before I began to look forward to the next season. Jimmy Brown would be back. The line would be back. The team would be back. Blanton Collier, our coach, would be back. We are going to win it again. But they didn't. They lost to the Green Bay Packers, Bart Starr, Jimmy Taylor, Paul Horning, and most of us. It's been 55 years now that we've been waiting. <laughs> 55 years since the Browns won. We've been waiting and sometimes we waited with great anticipation. Sometimes we waited with profound sorrow. Sometimes we actually got a little angry like the season they didn't even win a game. But then there's always that little, 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 little hope. And once again, we Cleveland Brown fans have this shred of hope for the next season. We wait a lot, not only on the Browns. We wait all the time. Traffic, lights, wait for doctors when we get there for our appointment. We wait on all different kinds of things. Literally, waiting is a part of our life. We just sort of pencil it in when we know that we have to go and do something. Well, Jesus is talking about waiting today. He's talking about waiting on Him. Because Jesus is talking to us about the reality of what was going to happen that he was going to leave, and that when he left, he would tell them that he would be with them always, and he is, but he also told them that he would bodily come again. And he tells us during this that we are to wait. But it isn't just waiting. It is also being productive while we're waiting. There is things that you and I can do while we wait, while we become in, involved. Now, you and I have been waiting for a very long time. I mean, uh, we've been waiting since we came to faith. For many of us, we've been waiting since the day we were baptized. But we also know that it's been, what, over 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. It's been that long, and there's a lot of people a lot of Christians who are no longer here, who waited on this earth, but now 
were welcomed into heaven. And sometimes during these times of waiting, we can fall into some really, really bad habits that take us away from being in a hurry to being, shall we say, rather slovenly. Or in some cases, falling away. We are told that the majority of Christians wonder sometimes if they've done enough to enter into heaven. If they've done enough in which God will welcome them into his kingdom. Well, I can answer that. And I can say very clearly, no. A loud no. An emphatic no. No, you didn't do enough. No, you didn't make it. No, there's no comfort in that. And when people start thinking that way as they're waiting, there's no peace, there's no comfort, there's no joy, there's just a wonder. Did I do enough? And the answer is no, none of us did enough. That's not how God welcomes us. But he does welcome us because of what he did. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ was mounted on a cross. The Lamb of God was mounted on that cross. And there, as the wonderful hymn says, he was stricken, smitten, afflicted. With his stripes we are healed. And there the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world, bled and died. Oh, they mocked him. They laughed at him. They scorned him. They spit upon him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But when they took him down off of that cross and they put him in that white linen, he was stone cold dead. But you and I, this world was redeemed. You and I had our sins forgiven. Not what we did, not what we offered, what he offered. And then the women, of course, they wanted to prepare the body properly, so they waited. They waited for the Sabbath to be over, and then they discussed probably how they were going to have to wait till somebody rolled away that cotton-picking stone in front of the tomb. None of those women were waiting to see Jesus alive. None of them were waiting to see Jesus come out of that tomb. Oh, the disciples were waiting. They were waiting for a knock on the door. They had that door locked, but they were waiting. They were waiting for that knock. That knock of the reality that the Jews were coming for them. We got your leader, we got him, he's dead, and now we come for you. And they were wondering, how are they going to get out of Dodge alive? Well, the knock never came. But the Christ walked in through that door. The Christ walked in. Go ahead. Look at my hands. Touch me if you want. 
And then he gave them peace. And he talked about forgiveness. Now while we're waiting, there's nothing better than that. The fact that we are forgiven, the fact that we know that this kingdom is here, that's the grace of God. While we wait, we do not have to worry. While we wait, we do not have to wonder. While we wait, we do not have to somehow think of us. The only way we can think is that we are in the loving arms. We don't have to fear. That's grace. That's mercy. That's our message. That's what we share. But then there are others who somehow think that uh, they know when Jesus is coming again. In fact, they uh, market this. A lot of people have made a whole lot of money on silly people thinking that these people actually know when Jesus is coming again. Now, Jesus is coming again because Jesus said so. And I actually, and I know you do, we believe what Jesus said. But it was also Jesus who said that he didn't know when he would be coming again. Only the Father in heaven knows that. And you know what? Why don't we take him at his word? But there are others who just want to talk about it, and then they'll start talking about how bad things are. Oh, geez, whiz. this is the worst it's ever been. How pathetic. When has the world not been filled with sin? When is that? Can anybody point that out? No, you can't. Because this world has been filled with sin, and it's been a sinful world from the very beginning when Adam and Eve ate that fruit. And I'm not some Pollyanna saying that everything is great and wonderful. It is bad. It is sad. But the world has always been sad. But we're Christians. Why do we want to go down this rat hole of negativity? Don't you love just waking up in the morning and saying, oh man, this world is really bad. Don't you really enjoy being around people who just want to talk about how cruddy things are? Wow, what a great day to get up. Let's go out and tell everybody how crummy things are. I don't know about you, but I get bored with people like that. I already know that. I got it. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose. That's our message. We've got the hope of the world. Nobody has to tell a Christian that the world is bad. <laughs> what we need to tell the world is there's hope. As my wife says, there's a lot of joy suckers out there. A lot of people who just want to suck the joy right out of life. And there's a lot of good things in this life. There's a lot of joy in this life. There's a lot of opportunities in this life. And we get to share it. We get to live it. We get to be those who get to tell people, my goodness, Christ lives without ever closing our eyes to what is going on. It's the very reason that we go and share and live because we know what's going on. And you see, that's the blessing. That's why we gather together as a family. 
to be able to be renewed, strengthened. So we don't go down some rat hole of negativity because we know what the first commandment means. We know who the true God is. And we know what the eighth commandment says too about our neighbor. Building up our neighbor. Loving our neighbor. I don't think the world understands that. But we do. We know what it means. To go, share, to live. What a blessing that is for us. To know the truth. And the truth to set us free. And that we can share the true message of God. And then we get to hurry up. Don't just wait. Don't just sit on our hands. We get to hurry. We get to hurry to God's word, to read it, to be renewed by it. We get to hurry to share with God our sins and thank him for the forgiveness he gives to us each and every day, each and every moment. We get to hurry and take our very gifts that God has given to us and to use them and to be blessed, to be productive. How does God use you? And to be thankful for where God places us. In my first parish, I came there in June of 1978. Kingston, Tennessee, Redeemer Lutheran. So when I got there, I just wanted to go out and visit everybody in the congregation. And one of the first groups of people that I went to was Mac and Maud Dawson. Mac and Maud had lived in Roan County, Tennessee their entire lives. Mac had a little farm, getting smaller because he's getting older. Had a few pigs, little cattle, nice, enormous garden. So I called Mac and Maud and said I was coming over. Well, when I got there, Mac was working on his tractor. He looked at me and says, hey, pastor, and then he started chuckling. Not exactly what I was expecting. Don't usually have people say hello and then start laughing at me. But he was laughing at me because of the way I was dressed. I had a nice pair of slacks, nice shirt, tie, sport coat, some really, really, really nice penny loafers. He said, you're going to walk around in that? And I did. And I had so much different kinds of stuff on those penny loafers after I walked around his farm. And I honestly, and Mac would have been happy about this, when I got in my car, I could smell this odor on me that just, whew. But Mac said to me, you know, Pastor, it's a good thing you're in the pulpit, not on the farm. And he said, it's a good thing I'm not in the pulpit and I'm on the farm. In other words, he was perfectly happy doing what he was doing. And he was thankful for what God had given to him and the blessings that God had. That's where God placed him. That's what God was using him for. He didn't need to be something else. He was perfectly happy with God's blessing for him. After I took my shoes off, I was allowed to go in the house. 
And Maud Dawson was just sitting there on a chair. And she was tatting. Now, I realized soon that tatting wasn't another one of my gifts as well. But Maud Dawson was a, had four other sisters. They were the whites, the white girls. And the white girls were known all over Roan County for their tatting, which I didn't know. But Maud tatted all sorts of little doilies and all sorts of different things, and she was going so fast. She may have been sitting, but she was hurrying because she was taking the gift that God had given to her. And Maud Dawson and her sisters also tatted crosses, and they tatted bookmarks. And those crosses and those bookmarks were all over Roan County in the hospitals, nursing homes. And not one of them had a name on it. They were just there. That was her gift. And Maud was perfectly happy using that gift to bring a blessing to so many people in the hospitals and nursing homes just from her tatting along with her sisters. What are you hurrying up for? Where has God placed you? How is God using you right now? Are your eyes open? Are you watching? Are your ears open? Because I'm telling you, there are times when I completely miss where God is going to use me. And sometimes he has to hit me like a brick to say, Vogel saying, right there. But we can hurry up and take a look how God uses you this day. How God takes you, a child of God, purchased in the blood of the Lamb, given the message of the risen Savior, and says, hurry up! And wait. But in your waiting, I have given you so much to do. That's the enjoyment of your life. And that's the one thing that I've always hoped in my entire ministry is, gosh, just enjoy your life. Sometimes there are things that just knock us over. Sometimes there are things that just buckle our knees. Some of the time there are things that we don't like, period. But in the midst, we hear our God and our Savior say, Fear not. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Come to me. And I will bring you into a body who will pray for you, who will work with you, who will visit you, to comfort you. That too is part of the enjoyment of knowing how God brings ministry to you and to me every single day. And so I pray. I hope you're in a hurry.
But while you're in a hurry, I hope you understand you may have to wait until the Lord comes again. And one of these days, somebody who predicts when the Lord's going to come is probably going to be right. Not because they really knew, but the Lord's coming again. And he may not come before you take your last breath. If you get there before me, say hello to the saints for me. Because by the grace of God, I'll get there too. And so will you. Enjoy that. Enjoy that peace. Enjoy that love that Christ gives to you. God bless you. Let us rise.